Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. These instruments, my body, these things are to be instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Under the law, sin had dominion over you because you couldn't stop it. So now under grace, sin will not have dominion over you. Interesting thing. That as I respond to grace, God says, sin won't have dominion over you. I've freed you from that. Part of Christian liberty is not my, my liberty to indulge in certain things. Part of Christian liberty is my freedom to not have to do that no more. Jesus says that in him, you will experience a life that's abundant and fruitful. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he shares with you that God's grace to you is not a pass to go sin some more. No, because of your love for Jesus. He extends his grace and enables you by his spirit to live a life that's pleasing to him. Pastor Bill encourages you to keep faithfully walking with the Lord. Be like a racehorse that doesn't look to the right or to the left, but looks straight forward to the prize. And that prize is Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. When you weren't saved, didn't you just do what you was doing and you liked it? When you're not saved, that's what you do. They're, everybody here is doing what they want. They're living lawless. They're not, they're, you know, God has a better life. No, I'm fine right now. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not God has a better life. They're having a great time sometimes. You know, here's the gospel. And it preaches to all three of them saying, God loves you. Can I say that to all three of them? Absolutely. How do you know he loves me? Romans 5a says he demonstrated his love to you and that while we while we were yet sinners, Christ died. God loves you so much. And it doesn't matter what you're doing today. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've ever done. He loves you. And he demonstrated that love and he died for you. The Bible says that we're all sinners and we don't have to get all specific with them. Everybody, you're all sinners. Have you ever told a lie? Yes. And we, we're all sinners. We've all we're all the same. I'm like you and you're like me. We all come the same way. We've all sinned against God. But this is what he did for you guys. You, you and you. He sent his son to die for your sins, died for him. He paid him full on the cross for your sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Jesus conquered death and sin and Satan in the resurrection. And what God makes available to you, same thing he made available to me, is forgiveness and acceptance through Jesus Christ. He would receive you today as his son or daughter if you would believe in him. Would you, would you do that today? Right? Now, that's different than saying, well, stop that and change that and fix that. Mm, get saved first. Come to him first. Get enter into a relationship with him because now we got something to work with. When you get saved, the Bible says that God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. To want to do and to be able to do. Right now, they don't want to do. And if they did, they don't have the power anyway. So get saved first. Let's, let's do the gospel. Let's share the gospel with you guys first. Let's say you reject the gospel. I disagree. Okay. Well, that's the, conver- the conversation I'm going to have with you guys is a gospel conversation because that's what you need right now. Now, if you're telling me I received the gospel, I'm born again, I'm saved, we have a different conversation. But legalists will run them off. A legalistic person will say, you need to stop that and change that and God doesn't like that and God hates that and you will go to hell for that and bam, bam, bam. And where's the good news? Where is the good news? That's not the good news. But that's what's common today. That's what people are doing. That's what Christians are doing. They're doing on social media. Some of them make us look so bad, misrepresenting God to people that need him the most. So I want to make sure that we're not that church. Amen. That we're not misrepresenting, that we understand what the gospel is and how it preaches and how to present it to somebody that needs it. 
Because that legalistic message is not going to help them. That message that says change and come is not the true, it's not the true gospel and it won't help them. It's going to, it's going to push them away because they don't want to change so they'll never come and we helped it. We helped. It's, like, it's like helping Satan keep people away from what they need. Amen? So I'm going to come off of that but I, I need us to understand that so we can all do better. Amen? So let's uh, move it on now. So Paul confronts Peter on his hypocrisy and he says in verse 13 and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy and so Peter's error made the other Jews stumble and even Barnabas who was one of the prominent leaders in the church he also was like okay well I guess just following Peter's example why do I why is that important because your if you vouch for or give way to legalism, you're going to have an impact on other people. The legalistic people that are raising their kids that way, they got legalistic kids. People that got rules and regulations, that's their understanding of who God is. If you're legalistic leadership in church, you'll create legalistic people in the pews. That's what will happen. Peter, as a leader, and his legalism and his failure and his hypocrisy here, he led other people astray. They followed his bad example. And so Paul says, now I'm going to confront this. And I love what he says in verse 14. Look at this with me. He says, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, he says, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? And first off, first part, he says, when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, Paul said, man, forget that mess. Y'all are not being straight up, straightforward about the truth of the gospel. This is a gospel issue. I'm going to bring this. There are times when it would not behoove us to engage in empty argument, empty debate. Paul even told Timothy at times, that man, avoid foolish arguments about fables and just stuff that don't matter. But, however, when it comes to the truth of the gospel, I believe as believers, that is when we need to stand up and say something. When people are remaking the gospel, which is, that's what everybody's doing today. If you talk to somebody, well, you know, I just kind of got my own thing going on. I believe that, you know, I'm spiritual. How many guys know people like that? I'm spiritual. You know what that means? That means I've, I've figured out my own way to come to God that don't require me to change nothing. I got my own thing. I, and I don't do organized religion. I, don't, I got my own relationship with God. Bogus. You don't know God. You've made yourself God. So Paul said, look, if, if when, when people are misunderstanding the truth of the gospel, you should contend. You should share it. You should speak it. You should be willing to, you know, it may even be uncomfortable. You may have to tell somebody, no, what you're saying is wrong. I know Christians that don't want to do that. They're like, I got mine. I got it for myself. I don't want to, I don't want to have a disagreement. No, have a disagreement. Maybe you're fixing it. Maybe you're sharing the truth will save someone that's on their way to hell, right? You have to consider that. What Paul does here is not just for Peter. It's for everybody else looking. If y'all start misunderstanding the truth of the gospel, y'all won't be saved. Y'all will be believing something that doesn't work. You'll, come, you'll be believing that it's Jesus and something you do. That won't work. So when it comes to the gospel, there's, that is something that we should contend for. And we should be willing to engage and in, 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 in debate if need be, answer questions, challenge wrong ideas. Just put it out there. We have to be willing to do that, that people could be saved. Otherwise, what good am I? What good am I as a Christian if I walk up on a conversation with somebody that misunderstands the gospel and I hear it clearly, but I won't say nothing? What good am I? Say it. 
What good am I to the kingdom? None. No good. What good am I if I'm encountered somebody and we're talking about things, they find out I go to church, and they start telling me what they believe and I hear it's wrong and I won't tell them the truth. What good am I to the kingdom? Nothing. No good at all. I'm no good. I don't want none of us to be no good. So make yourself, make yourself useful. Next time a conversation like that comes up, you speak up. It'll always be uncomfortable, but it'll always be beneficial. Amen. So it never I don't think Paul was comfortable, but Paul was like, hey, well, it is what it is. Y'all not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. So I'm going to say something. And he said something. This is what he told Peter. He said, look, Peter, you're a Jew. You being a Jew are living like a Gentile. So why would you compel Jews? I mean, you being you are a Jew living like Gentiles. Why would you try to get Gentiles to live like Jews? That's fraudulent, man. What are you doing? And he just confronts him and shows the hypocrisy of what he's doing. And then verse 15, he says, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, look, we're, we're by nature Jews. You know, we're, we're by birth. Essentially, we're, we're Jewish people, not sinners of the Gentiles. But then he says this, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith. Even we Jews, Paul is saying to Peter, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So Peter's, Paul is telling Peter, look, we're, we're both Jews, but we've, we've come, we've been justified by faith in Christ. What does that word, what does the word justified mean? I've heard a great illustrated, a great definition of justified is they break it down like this. Just as if I, Justified, just as if I never sinned, right? That's what it means to be justified. I'm justified by faith. I'm made right with God by faith in Christ, faith in what he did. I'm justified. That means my standing before a holy God is just as if I never sinned. That's what God does for me. That comes by faith, not by keeping the law. If I try to be justified by keeping the law, everybody here has already failed. How many times do you have to break the law to be guilty of the law? Once. And so there's not a person alive. I don't, I don't know how, I, I wonder how early my earliest sin was, right? Like when did it start counting? And I don't really know, but I know that as soon as I was capable, I sinned. And so did you. And I might, it might've been, you might've been in pampers still sinning, you know, just crying when you should have been quiet or something, you know, we're, we've all left to ourselves. We sin, that's what it's, we're, it's our nature. We're, we're in a fallen nature. So everybody has it. And if I seek to be justified by keeping the law, I'm, I'm doomed already. I'll never make it. And so for the believer, it's this which should be good news, which is what I can't do, keep the law. I, I can receive the result of justification by faith in Christ who kept it perfectly. That's great news. Then I, then I just have to receive him. I don't, I don't work for it. I don't do something to get it. I don't buy it. I can't. No, you can't. You just receive it by faith. Then I believe. And I believe with all my heart. Because I need, I need to be justified. And that's the only way to be justified, by putting my faith in Christ. Consider this, right? Why would anybody want to mess up that message? Isn't that a much better way? Why would anybody want to mess that up? I believe that Satan works overtime to imp any, any way possible to, to ruin the work that God wants to do, to impede upon that message. I believe that God, that, that there's never been a time in history Whenever God had spokesmen, Satan had lion spokesmen. Old Testament, God had prophets. 
Satan had lying prophets going out telling people it's going to be okay. God said, and they lying on God to people. That's not new. For you guys that are doing the Bible right now, we're not seeing that over and over again to be the real prophets. Who makes the real prophet look bad? The false prophets. False prophets tell everybody what they want to hear. A real prophet come up and say, y'all getting ready to be judged for your rebellion, disobedience, and, and idolatry, and y'all need to repent. And like, ah, oh, I hate this guy. He always says bad stuff to me because you live in bad. But nobody want to hear that. People don't want to hear. That's a true prophet telling you the truth so you can get things right with God. And who makes the true prophet look bad? The false prophets. Man, bring me them other guys. Tell me what I want to hear. I need to be encouraged. I'm going to be nice this morning. But you be careful about bringing teachers and people for the purpose of I just want to I want to be encouraged. And just be careful about that. What you want to do is you want to know the truth. Amen. You want to know God as he's revealed in scripture. Sometimes that's going to be encouraging. Sometimes the encouragement is going to be God is going to correct you so you can get things right and be right with God when you walk out of a place. That's all. That's that's a good thing. Amen. We can't be going and saying, you know, I, I want to just as I am. I want to go somewhere that lets me just leave. I want to I want an encouraging, uplifting word. And I'm going to tell you this. You can find it on TV and you can walk in some places and find it. And many people have right on their way to destruction. There are people that go to church every Sunday on their way to hell. Y'all know that? Because Satan is faithful. God's faithful. Well, Satan's faithful too. He's, he's faithful to raise up false teachers and lying ministers and people that tell folk what they want to hear. Y'all could have went 10 places within 10 minutes of here and been sitting here this morning hearing about how you're going to get your breakthrough and your harvest and your, and your, and your seed time and... You throw some money down here on these all. Don't do it. But, you know, you, you could have went and got you some of that. And I, I marvel that people will do that for years and they still be broke. I would be going. I'd be going to say, I'm pastor. We need to have a talk. I've been here five years. I've been at five New Year's services being told it was, this was my year. I'm going to get it. My, and I ain't got it yet. Still broke. Car broke down right now. I need an explanation for this message. Did you do lying? You know, they'll tell you something you're doing wrong. You, maybe you got some. You, are you sinning? Who's not sinning? You sinning too. I mean, I need I need a better explanation than that. Anyway, y'all just need to understand that that you know at this time the enemy had raised up false teachers to wreck this wonder the wonderful message of the gospel that we're justified by faith. Verse seventeen says, "But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also." Are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. And here's what he's saying: If I am trying to be justified by faith in Christ, I want to, you know, I want to be saved by faith. I want to, I want to be justified by Christ. At the very same time, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, keep the law. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm failing at this part. Is, it, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? He said, certainly not. Absolutely not. It just doesn't work that way. Verse 18. But if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Paul says we, we've torn down the separate. We've torn down the, the coming to God through the law. We've torn that down. Now we rebuild it. We're, we make ourselves a transgressor. We're moving backwards. We're not moving forward in our relationship with the Lord. Verse 19. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Through the law, because I, through the law, I died to it. That I might live to God. Can't do both. If I'm going to live to God, then I got to die to the law. I can't keep the law. Everybody here know you can't keep the law? 
if we just took the Ten Commandments, because you got to keep it perfectly, and you know, if I said, how many guys have ever told a lie? Every hand would go up, unless you're a liar. Uh, <laughs> so, how many of us have ever stolen something? Most of your hands would go up. How many of us have ever, you know, you, you go through it, and, and some of you guys would be, you know, real smart. I've never murdered anybody. I never did it, you know, and, and, you know, the Bible, Jesus, Jesus, the law didn't get less in the New Testament. You know, he took it up a notch. In the Old Testament, he said, don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. New Testament, he says, if you have hated someone without cause, you murdered them. Anybody ever hated somebody? Right? Yeah. Put your hand down. I hope you still don't hate them, right? You, you, you qualify as a murderer now. If you've ever lusted after a woman or a man, whoever, you've ever lusted for someone that you were not married with, You've committed adultery. You might have, don't raise your hands, but y'all get my, get my point. So when you get to the New Testament, he explains it further. He says it's actually more than you thought. I don't just want you to not kill. I want to get to the root of why people kill hatred. I don't want you to hate nobody. Oh, man. So my, my, the legalism, the legalist in me says, well, I never did that part. God's like, but I'm looking at your heart. Heart foul. You only didn't kill him because you don't want to go to jail. You only didn't you only didn't move forward with the adultery because you didn't have the opportunity. So you just lusted. You only didn't, the part that you didn't do, maybe you couldn't do, but I'm looking at your heart and your heart did it. And so when I get to the New Testament, I'm like, That's, I'm even worse off than I thought. And so I need, I, need, I, need, I need the gospel, right? I need justification by faith because I can't keep no law. Amen? So I want us to understand that for our own benefit, right? That, um, that we've entered in by faith, that we haven't earned anything. We can't earn anything. And this is why it's so important that I understand it right. If I know that I didn't earn it, can't earn it, never earned it, not worthy of it, never been worthy of it, never will be worthy of it, then I'm forced to receive it by faith. But I can't respond to it. And that's what God wants. The relationship God wants with you. God doesn't want a relationship with you where you're always trying to, to win his approval. God wants a relationship with you where you understand that he's received you and approved you and, and loves you. And now you get to respond to a loving God. That's what he wants. God wants you and me to be in a place where we're just we're broken at how much he loves. us. What does the Bible say? It's the it's the what of God that makes us repent. The goodness, not the baseball bat. God, it's the goodness of God. When you realize I've just been good to you for nothing. That's what makes people repent. It's, that's what a bit of break. I've, I've had times in my walk with the Lord where I wasn't even doing well. I was messing up in certain areas and then God would bless my life in some way. And that, that was worse than whooping me. I would just be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm not. I know I'm not worthy. It would break me to the point where it's like, God, I'm, I'm, I need to just, I need to repent. I just need to be right. I, I, I could think of twice in my walk with the Lord where I was I was almost expecting I'm about to get disciplined. And then God would do something opposite. And it would just be like, oh, man, I'm 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 stopping. And the goodness of God brings us to repentance. I can't boast. You can't boast. We have been blessed by a wonderful God. We've been blessed by the God of heaven. What he's done for us that we don't deserve. We're recipients of great goodness from a great God. Amen. Should make us humble people. Should make us very loving people. Should make us very gracious people. Should not create in us legalists. Should not create hypocrisy. But it should create in us uh, people that are broken and humble and loving and, and, and that it would impact how we reach out to other people. It would impact how we reach back to the Lord, how we how we worship him, how we live for him. I believe that a person that understands the gospel right will live more holy than someone that's trying to live to, to be accepted by God. 
I believe a person that understands the gospel, right, will serve out of a right motive. Well, you know, their service will be right. The things that they do back, God, I'm doing this not so that you will, but because you already have. I'm serving in response to what you've already done. I'm just, I'm just giving myself to you. you. You can have this life. You paid in full for it. You can have it. It's just different. It's a, it's a different feel. It's a different look. The motive of everything is different when we're living in response to his goodness and not living so that God will. God's already done everything that you need done for you. Amen. Um, now, you may he may do some extra stuff along the way and you just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But he's already done the most important thing. It's done. It has been done for you already. Two verses of your writing notes. I'd like you to write them down. Write down 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, and write down Romans 6, 8 through 14. I'm going to read these two real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, and then Romans 6, verses 8 through 14. 2 Timothy 2, 11 says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. When did I die with Christ, you guys? On the cross. When I, when I believed, I died. So I can now I can live with him. I've died with Christ. I died on the cross with him. Now, Romans six verses eight through 14, because some people think, you know what? If I, if I believe this man, all this grace and God just loved me when I was, you know, then isn't that going to encourage people to just go run amok, live reckless and wild and just say, what's well, all paid for? He loved me when I was my worst. So 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 there. And I don't believe so. I don't believe that a person genuinely born again wants to do worse. The people that want to live like that, probably not really saved. Probably haven't really come to a, rec a real understanding of what God has done. I don't believe a person genuinely born again says the goodness of God leads me to go out to the club tonight. I believe the goodness of God leads to what? Repentance. So when someone really understands the gospel and the goodness of God, they don't want to go do work. They want to honor God. So anybody living like this, they don't really know the gospel. They don't, they don't really understand who God is. And. We can't be afraid to preach grace and the true gospel because well, people understand that they're going to go mess up. No, they won't. No, they won't. That's not what the Bible says. Right. So look at Romans 6, 8 through 14. I'm going to read it all real quick. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died. He died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That word reckon means you by faith, you, you, you live as though this is your reality. Reckon yourself to be dead. I'm sorry. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God, alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it says, verse 12 Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust, but and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But instead, this is what we do instead. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Now, I, I, I hope we can get that. Present yourself to God as being alive from the dead. I died with him and I'm also risen with him and he's living in me. I'm presenting myself to God as dead to sin, but alive to God. I, I've risen from the dead in Christ. Alive from the dead, it says, and your members instruments of righteousness to God, that, that the rest of the, these instruments, my body, these things are to be instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you. 
for you were not under law, but under grace. Under the law, sin had dominion over you because you couldn't stop it. He said, now under grace, sin will not have dominion over you. Interesting thing. That as I respond to grace, God says, sin won't have dominion over you. I freed you from that. Part of Christian liberty is not my, my liberty to indulge in certain things. Part of Christian liberty is my freedom to not have to do that no more. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul wrote this to show how his life had been turned upside down because of the power of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Jesus came to change lives all over the world, and he's able to change yours too. If you think your past is too terrible to forgive, that's simply not true. Just look at Paul's life. He was far down the wrong path, but an encounter with Jesus changed that. Maybe you encountered Jesus today while you were listening. Are you ready to take the next step? He's ready. We'd love to talk to you more. Would you give us a call or send us a text? You can reach us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. We'll get back in touch with you as soon as we can. You're invited to join us for church this weekend too. We can't see you face to face quite yet, but we'll be live streaming our service at 9 a.m. this Sunday on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Instagram. Find out more at our website, calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll be able to explore more teachings from Pastor Bill's series through the Bible. Find out all about this ministry and Calvary Chapel Inglewood. That website one more time is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all for today. And thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word. <music>